listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. We've been in Ephesians for several weeks. Two weeks ago, we were in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, I'll encourage you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. If you've got your, uh, your, your mobile device and you have the, uh, the app version, which is a little picture of the Bible, it's called the Bible app. If you've got that under uh, more and events, you'll find Oasis Church and there'll be the notes you can follow along that way too, if you'd like to. So when we got to Ephesians chapter 4, Paul makes, Paul's the writer of the letter of Ephesians that was sent from a Roman jail cell or, or house arrest would be a better way of saying it. Paul was under Roman incarceration because he had upset a bunch of Jews in Jerusalem about who Messiah really is and who salvation is for. They were upset with him because he was preaching that Jesus of Nazareth, the carpenter that was killed by crucifixion around Passover time a couple of decades earlier, was indeed Messiah. And not only was he crucified, but he was buried and raised victorious over death. And he is now alive and is sovereign. And they didn't like that because they didn't think Jesus was their Messiah. So they were upset about that. But, but they were upset also because Paul was preaching that, that being right with God meant being right with Messiah who was crucified and raised and that being right with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was possible also for the Gentiles, the non-Jewish world. So if they were mad at Paul about preaching Jesus, they were doubly mad at Paul for preaching that salvation from the God of Israel was also available to the Gentiles? Are you kidding me? They were so upset with him that they caused a riot in Jerusalem that brought Paul into Roman captivity and to try to just manage his life against all those wanting to kill him, he appealed to Caesar. Paul was a Roman citizen even though he also was a Jewish man. And so basically he said, if I get out, they're going to kill me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to appeal to Caesar. I'm going to bring my case to Caesar. And I think Paul was just thinking, that'll just give me more time to preach the gospel. And ultimately, I'll get to tell Caesar what about Jesus as well as I'm telling him why everybody's so mad at me in the land that he occupies in Palestine. So he's in Rome, and he's waiting trial. He's waiting an audience with Caesar. And Paul writes letters to some churches that he had already planted in other journeys that he had taken, taking the gospel uh, farther than ever gone. And so Paul wrote a letter to the churches, the believers in uh, the city of Philippi. And Paul wrote a letter to the believers in the church that he had planted in Ephesus. And Paul wrote uh, letters to the church of the people who he had planted the church there in Colossae. And then Paul wrote a personal letter to a fellow by the name of Philemon. And you can find those in the New Testament. So they were just letters written by the man who planted the church in these cities and now he's got nothing better to do we know that's not why he did he he's in jail he's got not an audience that he can preach to so he's writing letters to encourage the believers so in Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 
Paul lays out this argument about who we are in Jesus. And, and he's just so excited to say that Jews and Gentiles alike in Christ, by faith in Christ, we're brought into the family of God and that we've got at our access all of these spiritual benefits and blessings that are available to us so that we might navigate successfully the life that we live while we're waiting on Christ to return and while we're going about telling others about Jesus. Do you realize that applies to you? If you know Jesus as your Savior, if you've trusted him and his death and resurrection as payment for your sin and that only as as, uh, the, the means of your forgiveness, then Then Paul says, and you too, you've been brought into this family. And now as you go about representing Jesus in the world, because you know that's what our responsibility is, right? Represent Christ in the things we do and say and the places that we are and the arenas that we're in. As you go about, guys, you've got everything you need to do everything God's called you to do and to be. And it's available. And all you've got to do is step out in confidence and trust And it will be available to you. And so he spent time building that argument. Then in chapter number four, he takes a little sidestep and he goes, okay, now that you know who you are in Christ, here's what I want you to do. So he begins to lay out some practical applications for those of us who know Jesus as Savior. And if you're with us today and you say, you know what, I wouldn't classify myself as a Christian. I, I'm not, I don't know that I would say that I'm a Jesus follower. That's okay. Listen up. It's, this is good because all you're going to hear is everything that God, well, not everything, but a lot of the things that God is calling us to do and to be. Since we are who we are in Jesus, then this is what we've given, we've been given the responsibility to do. So to jump off the couple of weeks ago in chapter four, we learned that Paul says, okay, if we're going to live this life out, the first thing that we've got to pursue together is unity. Unity. Now you look at our nation right now and you would say, unity would not be on any of the pages in the legal pads of of things describing our nation. We're as divided as I can remember, and I don't know if we're more divided than before I can remember because I can't remember. So, but we're not united right now, and I think we're in agreement on. Paul says that's not the way the church should be, but if we're really honest, Isn't the church often just as divided as our world is? Oh, yeah. There can be even divisions within a body. People that have been upset with folks and hadn't spoke and hadn't fellowshiped, and if they're going to be there, I'm not going. Well, they did this, and I ain't hanging with them. So we can be divided even within this locality. And Paul's like, no, we can't do that. Because of who we are in Christ, we don't have the right. So we've got to pursue unity. So just as a matter of review, Chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, which are the verses preceding what we're going to talk about today. Paul basically says, because of who we are in Christ, we're called to pursue unity. And here's how we're to do it. By exercising with one another, we're to exercise four things. Humility. Ooh, I don't like that. Gentleness. Oh, that's not my norm. Uh, Patience. How many of you are full of that? and tolerance. 
Man, we're all very lacking in those four arenas. We are very pride-filled. We like it the way we like it. We, you know what? If you don't like the way I am, I know I'm a little rough around the edges. Well, then just don't hang around me. Or, you know what? I don't have time to wait on you to grow up and to come to know the things you're supposed to know. I, I'm tired of dealing with you. And you know what? You just bother me, and I can't tolerate the things you do and say, and, and I'm not walking with you. That's typically the way Christians operate. And Paul's like, not if we're going to pursue unity. So if we're going to be unified, we've got to be people. And, and let's just be honest, are, are we followers of Jesus? If the answer to that is yes, then he's already said, I got all you need to do everything I've called you to do and to be. So if we go, well, God, I can't be humble. I, you know, I'm just not very gentle. Patient, not one of my big strong suits. Tolerance, oh, come on. And if we buck God on this, basically what we're saying is, I know you say you've got all of that that you will, that you will pour out through me, but you know what? I'm not really interested in what you want to do in my life. Is anybody signing up for that statement? Of course not. So when he says... Be humble, gentle, patient, and tolerant with one another. He says, and I've got all of that that you need. All you got to do is tap into it and walk. And then he says, I want you to pursue unity by rallying around the oneness that we are. We're one body. We've got one spirit dwelling within us, the Holy Spirit. We have one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. You know, basically he's going, get it in here. You know how teams do, you know, right before they go out to play the game, they put their hand in and then they go through some sort of tribal chant of sorts and they jump around and hop around and they're, they're saying something. I know they know what they mean. And all of a sudden they holler and they go out on the court that's basically what Paul is doing he's getting our hand get in here get in here man and now we're jumping around and we're chanting about we're one body we have one spirit one hope one Lord one faith one baptism one God now let's get out there that's the unity that he's trying to encourage us together all right so then we get to verse number seven he goes but but then for for unity to work there's there's also something that you bring to it personally. Now, before we read the, the text, I, I want to ask you, anybody ever heard of the gifted program? Anybody in education, the gifted program? All right, cool. Four of you. Great. So, <clears throat> maybe y'all were the gifted ones. I don't so, uh, I didn't have a gifted program at the school that I went to. Uh, with that was, wasn't an option, which is good because I probably wouldn't have qualified for the gifted program, which is good for my psyche. Uh, so the gifted programs in the school system are based on what you bring to the table. Like you, it's not first come, first serve, right? It's not like, oh, we got to get there so we can sign up for the gifted program. It's like, uh, ma'am, I'm sorry, it doesn't work like that. Uh, your kid has to bring some pretty impressive scholastic uh, tools to the table in order for them to be, because it's based on what they bring to the table. And so when we think about giftedness, that's a lot of times what we are imagining. We, we, and we even say it in our vernacular. We'll say, well, well, that person is a real gifted speaker, or that person is a real gifted singer or musician, or that's a gifted teacher, or that's a gifted accountant, I guess. If you, so, so when things are, folks are really good at what they do, we say they're gifted at it. Because 
They've brought something to the table by which they excel personally. My dad is a gifted pilot. He's he's been known around the arena and, and, and the region where he's worked for years because he's just really, really good at it because he's worked at it and has become good at that, has become skilled. God's gifted program, however, doesn't work that way. You're not gifted in God's arena because of what you bring to the table. You're not gifted because you show up and you say, God, I'd like to audition for the, uh, the singing competition if I can, and I'd like to get in on, oh, Lord, I'd really like to get in on the preaching competition. I'd like to show you what I got. No, it doesn't work that way. Gifted, as it applies to God's arena, involves every single one of us. And guess, if you, if you know Jesus as Savior, you are just as gifted as any other brother or sister. Now, you might not be as talented as another brother or sister. You might not think yourself as pretty as another brother or sister, but you are just as gifted because it's not about what you do. It's about what he's done, and it's better than that. The gifted program that God has established also plays into this call in unity. Now, keep in mind, he's called us to unity, meaning he's called us to be of one mind, following after one goal, looking after one thing, and he says, and you're going to have to exercise humility and gentleness and patience and tolerance. I get it, because folks are raw and folks are rough, and we need to work on this. But God's also put a program in place that will lead us toward those ends if we will just respond. Now, let's read the text. Verse number seven. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. And he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to the measure of manhood, or to to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way until he who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, with each part is working properly. And it makes the body grow so that it builds Builds itself up in love. God's gifted program for unity and growth. So somebody asked me in present times, they'll say, Hey, Kev, is uh, Oasis Church growing? 
I know what they mean. Typically, they mean, did you have more folks in attendance this week than you did last week? Can you show with the data that there were more attenders this week than, or this year than there were last year? Typically, when folks are saying, are you growing as a church, they mean, are you increasing in number? And if you're increasing in number, then you're probably increasing in worship services. And if you're increasing in worship services, then you're probably increasing in resources. If you're increasing in resources, then, well, certainly you're increasing in facilities. And if you're, you know, so it just goes on. So that's typically what's been. That's not what God means by growing church. What God means by growing church is that believers are maturing in their walk with Jesus. That that they that that they have all the spiritual blessings and benefits that are theirs to walk in. A growing church is made up of folks who are beginning to actually believe and practice the things that God has said you can do if you'll just take a step in this. And as we do, guess what guess what happens to us? We begin to do more and to be more of who God has called us to be. And God starts using us more and more, not only for the lives of those who have not yet heard, but for one another. And we start growing together. So God's gifted program puts us in the arena of the of the area that we have to exercise humility and, and gentleness and patience and tolerance. And he's saying, and if you'll just get on board, If you'll just respond, what I've got to work within you will also point you and push you in that direction. And guess what happens? The body grows, and Christ is glorified, and folks hear about Jesus, and then they start to grow, and we're operating in an arena of love, and the world looks and goes, what in the world is that craziness going on with them bunch of Jesus people? That's what we want to have seen. It's God's gifted program. What's he say? First off, verse number seven. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And I want to, this this, this verse is important, but before I really get started explaining this, I want you to go ahead and get your get your device out. So if you've got a phone that you can add an app, I want you to go ahead and have it out, okay? And, and if you have an app store that you frequent, the, the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, just go ahead and, and click that because I'm going to show you something in just a second. I want you to be ready to look something up. Okay, so here's what Paul says. Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, We've already learned in chapter 1, 2, and 3 that our salvation, our place in the family of God is all about grace. It's all about God's favor turned toward us under no obligation of him because we don't deserve it. So that God sent his son to die in our place and for our sin is motivated by his love. And that love is fueled by his grace because we don't deserve it. We're not worthy of his love. But he chose to love us anyway. And then 
He just pours out grace on top of grace. I think his chapter one says that this grace is lavished on us. I mean, it's lathered up. My grace on top of grace on top of grace. All the grace you can stand, he's just going to pour out on you for your benefit and the building of your life and those that he'll use to build from your life. But then he talks about another grace connected to a gift. Now, this is what those that are in the church know as spiritual gifts. And you go, man, what time do we get done here? He about to preach on spiritual gifts. I don't even have time to talk about spiritual gifts in this sermon. And the unique spiritual gifts is, is not really what Paul is dealing with. He's going to identify four unique gifted uh, leadership roles. But he's talking in other places in the New Testament about your gift. Because what did he say? Grace was given to each one of us. So we've all been given a gift of God's grace, and we'll call those spiritual gifts. Now, what I want you to do is in that little app store, I want you to type right now media, R-I-G-H-T-N-O-W, media or you could probably start typing right now and those things are just so smart they recognize what you're looking at now miss Susie that's the little icon you're looking for little orange man why do they always got to be orange the little orange square with the triangle and the r in it and 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 just what I need you to do is just when you find it if it's not already on your on your device it's free just go get it and click it or get it or download or whatever it says. And then you can set your device aside and it's going to do what it's going to do. What right now media is going to do is give you access, Susie, if you'll show the next slide, on your computer, your tablet, your, your television, if you have a Roku or an Apple TV device, all kinds of instructional sessions on all kinds of biblical truth. But the one I want you to go find is the next slide, which is called Your Divine Design. If you've never watched Your Divine Design, you need to. If you've watched Your Divine Design before, you need to watch it again. Because what the, what the session teacher, Chip Ingram, He's a, a, a pastor, a teacher, scholar. I mean, just a great, great teacher. He does this, Your Divine Design, and he talks about the passages in Romans 12, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, all of those passages dealing with spiritual gifts. He's going to flesh that out, and he's going to do it so much better than I can, number one, and he's going to do it with so much more time than I've got today. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to get the app, and I want you to go to that. You say, well, Pastor I can't find it on the app. You know, interesting that you should say that. We provide access to Right Now Media to any and everybody who would like it. So download the app. Send us an email, info at oasischurchwh.org. You say, I can't remember all this. Just go to our website and go to contact us. Send us an email and say, I downloaded the Right Now Media, but I don't have access to it. We're going to send it to you. You can create your free account, and then you'll have unlimited access to all kinds of phenomenal teaching. If you're a part of a life group, you know that we all use Right Now Media in our life groups, and that's where we get our teaching from. So learn about the spiritual gifts. You got one. It's to be, well, let me just tell you what these spiritual gifts are. 
every believer, through, through what you're going to learn through those passages about spiritual gifts, you're going to learn that every one of us, had, he says right here, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So every believer has a spiritual gift. Are you a follower of Jesus? If the answer to that is yes, then God has gifted you in the same way he's gifted me. But you think, oh, no, Pastor Kevin, because there is no way I could stand up there and talk in front of a bunch of people. Y'all listen. Talking in front of a bunch of people is not necessarily a spiritual gift, right? There's a lot of folks that talk in front of a bunch of people that are saying things that aren't even remotely connected to truth, right? I think if I wasn't a follower of Jesus, I'd be standing up talking about something. My wife would say he would just be talking about something because he's doing that all the time. The spiritual gift is communicating the Scripture and and, and making it plain and understandable. But he's gifted you just like he's gifted me. Every one of us have it. Spiritual gifts are given at conversion. I believe that you're going to learn through these passages that spiritual gifts aren't something that you've got to go stand in line in and say, Lord, I'd like to have a little bit of this. Or I'd like to be somebody. No. God gives you the gift based on how he's made you. I mean, does anybody expect to go four-wheeling in a Corvette? No, because that's not what that piece of machine, well, you may have, but that's not what it's designed for. And so God knows you more than you know yourself. And he's gifted you according to his design and his intention to use you. Every one of us have it, and every one of us get these at conversion. When we come to know Jesus, we get the Holy Spirit, and guess what? We get a gift. We don't even know we got it, and it's ready to be used or developed and and deployed, but we, we don't even know what it is yet. Well, that's what your divine design will help you do. It'll get you started thinking about your spiritual gift. Gifts vary, and they fill different roles. Not everybody's gift is the same. Aren't you glad that you're not a totality of a nose? Like if you were just a nose, that would be really weird, you know? But it would be, that's not a body, that's just a nose. We like all of the senses working together. If you like the buffet, and obviously I do, don't you like that the nose and the tongue work together? Because what does that provide? Taste, yes. So we like the body working together. So gifts vary different roles. Some are more visible than others, but all are equally important. All gifts are sourced in God's power. It's not about what you bring to the table. It's not that that you're a more gifted person, because it doesn't have anything to do with you. It's about what God has poured out in you. And when you walk in what he's gifted you toward, folks realize it because they're encouraged and they're blessed and they're helped. Spiritual gifts are not for the edification of the individual or the promotion of the individual, but for the benefit of others. You know, there are some folks that, that have the gift of communicating the Scripture that have, that have allowed themselves to think that their role in communicating the Scripture is for their own promotion. That's not how it works. It's for the benefit of others. Some that have other gifts that think it's about promoting themselves. It's not. It's about who Christ is in us. Spiritual gifts are meant to bring glory to God because they're from him. Say, all right, Kevin, how how does this work with unity? 
All right, he's going to explain how the gifts that he's brought together in the body push us toward the idea and the realization of unity. Verse number 8, 9, and 10. I'll let you go study that on your own. Paul quotes Psalm 68, 18. And basically what Paul is saying is, is he's taking this little side note when he's saying Jesus gave gifts to us and he goes, you know what? That's kind of like back over in Psalm 68, 18, where, where David was talking about God as the, as the sovereign king, the victorious king who comes into the city victorious and everybody's cheering and he's ascending to that place of honor. And, and actually in Psalm 18, uh, 68, 18, uh, he's, he's receiving gifts from the people. But Paul's like, it kind of, you know what this kind of reminds me of? This kind of reminds me of that verse in Psalms. And, and, and you know what? This is kind of like the way Jesus worked. Because when David was talking about God ascending victorious, you know, Jesus also ascended. And, and, and since he ascended, you know what that means, don't you? It means he also had descended. And you know, he descended into the lower parts of the world. And, and, then, he, and then he ascended victorious. How did he do that? Resurrection. So Paul was just parenthetically going, hey, by the way, let me throw another reminder that our Savior was crucified and risen victorious. And then he gets back on the point. He says, and he gave, talking about gifts, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. All right, so what Paul does is he says, now, God's given all of us gifts, okay? He's called us to unity. But then there are certain gifts that God has given that are designed for equipping the people. Because I think Paul was going, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how am I ever going to know what my gift is and how I'm supposed to use my gift? So you're saying I'm gifted. How do I know what it is and how am I ever going to use it? And I don't get it. And Paul goes, no, no, God's taking care of that. He's set aside some who have gifts of teaching, who have gifts of leading to equip you. What's the responsibility of those who lead the ministry? It's not to do the ministry. It's to equip the body. To equip the saints, verse 12, for the work of the ministry. Um, I think it was Howard Hendricks, the late uh, Bible teacher at Dallas Seminary, who said, the church, unfortunately, is kind of like a professional football game. There are 80,000 people desperately in need of exercise sitting in the stands, watching 22 people desperately in need of rest. That's kind of the way the church operates. Well, we, we hire the staff. We, we get the pastor. We got the folks, and, and we got the elders, and, and they do the work of the ministry, and we come to church on Sunday, and we get fired up and excited, and then we just go live our life. That ain't how it works. We're all in the same boat. You realize my responsibility in life is the same as yours? Your responsibility to who you are in Christ is the same as mine. The only difference in my role is that, that mine is uniquely designed for equipping. 
for, for, for preparing you for the work of the ministry. That's why I pour out God's word to the best of my ability and then call you to act on it so that you might then go and walk out what God has designed for you to do uniquely in the way you're designed to do it. If I'm not equipping people, it doesn't matter how much folks like the way I sound when I talk. I'm wasting time. So there are some, and I think he says, so, so what God has done is he's given apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers, shepherd teachers for the equipping of the body. Now, what we don't have time to talk about is, well, is, is the apostles and the prophets, is that, a, is that something that's still around today? Or is that something that went away? Now, the evangelists, what's the difference between the evangelists and the pastor teachers and the prophets and the apostles and all? And I want to talk about that, but I don't have time. So I'm gonna let Chip talk about that. Your Divine Design, Right Now Media, get it, send us the email, watch the eight sessions. You'll begin to wrestle with these, these terms. But he's using all four of these to represent leadership gifts within the body. He said, they're, they're not there to get praise. They're not there to get some sort of special treatment. They're not there to get any. They're there to equip you for the work that God's called all of us toward. That's God's gifted program. God gives us gifts, and then as we begin to to deploy those gifts, then we start working together. Look, look what happens. There's the results of, of this gifted program. As they, verse 12, equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up the body, they're doing this until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. What is it we're working toward? Not uniformity, where you dress like I dress, and you talk like I talk, and you like the things I like, and, and we disagree on the same things, and, and, and we agree on the same. That's not what he's calling us to. He's calling us to unity of the faith. What, what is it that is our goal? Remember, one, one body, one spirit, one faith, one baptism, one, one, uh, <clears throat> one God, one hope, one Lord. That's what he's called. The unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So that we're coming together with this essential unity around the things that are taught about our Savior. Not that we agree on everything, but that when it comes to the essential truths of the Scripture, we're able to go, yep, we're fighting the same battle. We're in the same fray. We're following the same leader. We're following the same Lord. Yeah, we might disagree on how much water is needed for baptism or whether or not, you know, it's, it's this or that or whether we should have that or, or those. Those things are up for debate because we're going to exercise uh, gentleness and humility and tolerance and patience, and that's okay, but we're united together in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God as we are equipped and begin using these gifts. To what end? It goes on in verse 13, to mature manhood. Now, ladies, don't be offended. Paul was not just talking about the men mature, but he's actually just referring to the idea of maturity in humanity. So what we're doing is we're trying to go, you know, what, what is it that Paul and Nicole are striving for? They're striving to <clears throat> teach Millie 
the truths of God's Word so that she might grow into maturity and walk as a mature adult who's being led by the truths of God's Word and the Son of God who gave himself up for her. So they're trying to build her to be mature. That's what God's doing in our life. And that's what when we working together, being equipped and walking in our giftedness move toward maturity to the stature of the fullness of Christ. When, when are we going to reach, when we gonna reach his maturity? Anybody got an idea? Let me give you an idea. We won't. We're not ever going to reach that. But you know what God said? <clears throat> I got eternity for you. And I'm ultimately going to bring all those things to completion. And you're going to be with me throughout eternity. What's that? What are we going to do for all that time? I think more and more we're going to come into realization of who he is and what he's done. And, and I think we're just going to become more and more like him. Will we ever attain him? Absolutely not. He's God the Son. But that activity starts now. And you know what that brings about? When we start pursuing the fullness of Christ, it brings unity. We start going, we can't fight about this. We can't argue about that. We can't be upset about this earthly small. We can't sweat the small stuff because why? We've got a bigger opportunity in front of us that we're, that we're striving for together, working toward the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, where we become stable in our thinking and we're not running from one extreme to the next just because somebody that was popular said it. We're not just buying into every slogan and every hashtag just because somebody popular posted it. No, we're starting to go, you know what? As we're growing together and as we're coming into maturity as followers of Jesus, we're being equipped and we're using our own gifts and we're working together. Yeah, you know what? I'm just going to stick to this straight path that Christ has me on. I'm not going to deviate just because someone's teaching it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. I'm going to weigh it out. I'm going to give it some time. That's maturity. That brings about unity because we're operating in our gifts Verse 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, when each one of us are working together, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The gifts that were given, the grace gifts given by God to all believers, as we begin to discover them, as we begin to develop them, as we begin to deploy them, as we're being equipped and we're being mutually encouraged and we're walking together, we're finding ourselves probably not having to exercise as much humility and gentleness and patience and tolerance. You know why? Because we're all striving after the same thing, but there'll be that one knucklehead. They'll have to go, oh yeah, patience. Forgot about that. And what are we trying to do? Bring him up to speak. Bring her up to speak. All time gathering more. And and you know what ends up happening to the body? It grows up. Not only does it multiply. Yeah, it's going to multiply because folks are going to come to know Jesus and, 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 and the reaching part will happen and then the teaching part will happen and they'll begin to grow. And the body begins to increase and more folks begin to know about Jesus. 
more folks begin to be proclaimers of Jesus, and then we just start finding ourselves doing exactly what we've been called to do till Christ returns, right? Make sense? That's God's gifted program. So, if we're going to be a healthy and growing body, we need your gifts. If we're going to be healthy and growing, we need your gifts. Some of you have no idea, had no idea that Jesus had given you a divine gift for building others up. Well, guess what? You came today. Now you know. I'm excited about that. You know now that you have a gift. Right now, media, your divine design, let's have a conversation about what you're learning so we can discover what your gift is and how you can begin to use it in service. Some believers know about your spiritual gift, but you've never discovered them. Right now, media, your divine design, let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation as you begin to wrestle And let's find how you can begin serving in your gifts. Some believers took a test or watched a class or in the past watched your divine design. And they can tell you what they think their gift is, but they never used them in service. Like if I were to ask you, what's your spiritual gift? You'll say, well, my spiritual gift is encouragement. And I could go, okay, how have you used that this week for the building up of the body? Um, well... I mean, or I think my spiritual gift is giving. Okay. Well, let me ask you, how you done this week in, gen- in the area of generosity? Some of you know you have it. You can say what it is, or you think you can say what it is, but you hadn't used it. I want to encourage you to use it. Some believers got discouraged somewhere along the way because they bought the lie that they don't matter. Yeah, I know I got a spiritual gift, but my gift don't matter because I'm not as talented as the other. Hogwash. That's a lie. God's given you a gift that's just as important as any other. And some of you have bought the lie, and that is, I don't matter anymore. Maybe it's because you're of an age that you don't think you bring much to the table or maybe it's because of an event or a circumstance in your life that causes you to think I don't matter anymore again lie 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 if we're going to be healthy if we're going to grow we need your gift and 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 others need your gift so that they might be encouraged some believers have discovered their spiritual gift and are exercising it in faithful service you know who they are Because they're the ones who encourage you and bless you on a continual basis. So if you know your gift, you're using it, you're walking in it, thank you. Thank you for being an encouragement and an example to others. We need everybody to exercise his or her gifts. So that we might be built to greater levels of unity and maturity. Because we don't want to be a sickly body, do we? Like, we don't want to be a 45-year-old church still living at home with mama, do we? No. We want to be mature. We want to be grown up. We want to be living the life that God has given us together, and it takes all of us. And I'm just calling on followers of Jesus to believe and understand you got a gift to discover what it is if you don't know. If you do know what it is, and once you know what it is, I'm just calling you to put it to work faithfully. I'll tell you what will happen. We'll experience unity. And this body will grow in the way that God intended it to be. And you say, you really believe that? He's got all we need to accomplish everything he's called us to do and to be. I absolutely believe it. 
but I, I know we got to respond. So let's respond today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we finish out today. I, th- I think it's been a good day. Maybe you're here. Nobody's looking around. Everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Kevin, I, I just don't know that I would call myself a follower of Jesus. You realize that, that could change in a moment right now. All, all God has called us to is to confess with our mouth and believe with our heart that Jesus Christ was crucified and raised from the dead as payment for our sin. If you're wrestling with that right now, you know you're a sinner. I don't have to convince you of that. And, and you know there's not anything you can do to change it because you've probably tried and failed just like all the rest of us have. God's not called us to try to change ourselves. God has invited us into freedom. God has invited us into forgiveness that Christ has made available for us and can be received only by faith, believing. It would sound something like, God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I can't do anything about my sin, but I believe that you love me, and I believe that you gave Jesus, God the Son, to live on this earth, to live a a human life, and then to die in my place. I believe that he died because of my sin. I believe that he was buried and he rose again, victorious over my sin. I believe he's alive today, and God, I want to be forgiven. I want to be made right with you. I want to know Jesus. I want to be in your family. If that's you, I got good news for you. God will adopt you into his family just like he did me. God will birth you into his family today just like he did the rest of us. And then he's got prepared for you all that you need to walk daily as his child. Christian, you're gifted. Do you know what it is? If you don't, let's find out together. Let's put it to use. Let's put it to practice. Let's figure out how we can get that thing working like God designed you to work. Let's work together so that we might reach that maturity that's been promised so that we might grow up and be everything God's called us to do and to be for his glory. This world needs that kind of maturity. They need to see Jesus. They need to see him in us. So, Father, we thank you for the day. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. I thank you for those that are visiting with us here today. I pray, God, that they were encouraged, that they were blessed and Father, I pray that uh, you speak to all of us. Show us where we need to move and God, make, a, make our decision be yes before you even ask. We love you. We need you. We want our life to be effective in your hands. And so, Father, we just pray that you'll use this according to your will. First, in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. His mercy is
Our sins, they are many, His mercy.